0: Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, President Donald Trump cancels the summit with North Korea. Police body cam saves the career of a Texas state trooper. Trump holds a roundtable on MS-13 and doubles down on calling them animals, while billionaire Elon Musk takes on the fake news media as a federal judge rules Donald Trump can't block people on Twitter. This news is breaking as I record you this segment this morning. President Donald Trump has canceled the Singapore-based summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un because of of Kim's recent nasty and horrible rhetoric. The meeting would have marked the first face-to-face encounter between a sitting U.S. president and North Korea, a North Korean leader. And it was set, of course, for June 12th, just a couple of weeks from now. Let me read you the letter that the White House sent early today to North Korea. Addressed to His Excellency Kim Jong-un, Chairman of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Pyongyang. Dear Mr. Chairman, we greatly appreciate your time, patience, and effort with respect to our recent negotiations and discussions relative to a summit long sought by both parties, which was scheduled to take place on June 12th in Singapore. We were informed that the meeting was requested by North Korea, but that, to us, is totally irrelevant. I was very much looking forward to being there with you. This is where Trump becomes Trump, and this is why America's strong and the world is safer. Words from the president. Sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement, I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long planned meeting. Therefore, please let this letter serve to represent that the Singapore summit for the good of both parties, but to the detriment of the world, will not take place. Now, this is where Trump is really Trump. And I could not be prouder of our president at this moment. You talk about your nuclear capabilities but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. I felt the wonderful dialogue was building up between you and me, and ultimately it is only that dialogue that matters. Someday I look very much forward to meeting you. In the meantime, I want to thank you for the release of the hostages who are now home with their families. That was a beautiful gesture and very much appreciated from just sticking it to them. If you change your mind having to do with this most important summit, please do not hesitate to call or write me. The world, and North Korea in particular, has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is is a truly bad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. Now, this all comes on the heels of Kim, I'm going to find you the quote here, Kim insulting Vice President Mike Pence. He uh was was uh he said that the vice president was stupid, that he was politically stupid. And Trump had no choice but to cancel the meeting. Uh Kim said the uh Kim spokesman, Joe uh San Hui uh said the North would not beg for dialogue and warned of a nuclear showdown if diplomacy failed. The North Korean says it will not give up its nuclear weapons unilaterally. Unilaterally, Uh, now Cho Sun-hoi has uh, been involved in the the woman. She's been involved in these um, talks for quite a while, and the North Koreans are uh, really asking for it. They're really asking for it. They are now prodding the United States, but they never banked on Trump. They never banked on a guy like Donald Trump who was actually going to call their bluff. Obama would have gone to the summit. If Obama had gotten the summit, uh, if, if he had gotten that summit to take place and Kim Jong-un, via a spokeswoman, Cho Sun-hoi, had <clears throat> uh, insulted Joe Biden, called him stupid, and had uh, ranted and raved. This is all over my pen saying that uh, the Libya model wouldn't apply to North Korea if North Korea played ball. In other words, there wouldn't be regime change if North Korea played ball. Pence warned that North Korea may end like Libya, meaning him could be deposed and carried out into the streets and murdered in public and his body torn apart. Uh, Gaddafi died a horrible death. But uh, Trump is not Obama. So this is what Cho said, the spokeswoman for North Korea. He added, quote, as a person involved in U.S. affairs, I cannot suppress my surprise at such ignorant and stupid remarks gushing from the mouth of the U.S. vice president. Whether the U.S. will meet us at a meeting room or encounter, or whether the U.S. will meet us at a meeting room or encounter us at nuclear-to-nuclear showdown is entirely dependent upon the decision and the behavior of the United States. Now, North Korea is playing the wrong game with the wrong guy. They are playing the wrong game with the wrong guy. Now, let's go back through Trump's letter, knowing all that. He said to uh, Kim, you talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. Meaning, if you dare try to launch a nuke, first of all, we have uh, missile defenses that could take out Kim's nuke. Trump will level. He will level North Korea. He also says the North has missed, North Korea in particular, has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. He's telling North Korea, we will annihilate you. If you even think about using a nuclear weapon, you will cease to exist. And now we are going to put pressure on China, on South Korea, on Japan to choke you economically. We're going, you're broke. I read you uh, North Korea's GDP last week. It's only something like $12.4 billion dollars compared to the US's 17 to $18 trillion dollar GDP. Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates can buy and sell Amazon, uh, buy and sell North Korea, rather. Jeff Bezos uh, uh, is Amazon.com and, and uh, Bill Gates, Microsoft. They, well, they could, the men could personally buy and sell North Korea a couple of times over. And uh, there is absolutely nothing Kim can do. He has a few nuclear weapons. China's going to squeeze him now. South Korea's going to squeeze him. Japan's in the mix. I expect we're going to put tremendous pressure on Russia. North Korea made a very, very serious miscalculation here. Very, very serious miscalculation. And this story, as I said, as I'm I'm bringing this to you, is just breaking. And so I want to, uh, there's not much on this. Now, North Korea was claiming they demolished a nuclear site ahead of the summit. They, they, they claim this is from the Associated Press As just weeks ahead of a planned summit with U.S. President Donald Trump. Kim Jong-un made good on his promise to demolish North Korea's nuclear test site, which was formally closed in a series of huge explosions Thursday as a group of foreign journalists looked on. <clears throat> The Explosions at the nuclear test site deep in the mountains of North Korea's sparsely populated northeast was centered on three tunnels at the underground site and a number of buildings in the surrounding area they they uh, held a closing ceremony North Korea the state their state media called the uh, destruction of the site quote a nuclear free the process to build a quote nuclear free peaceful world and quote global nuclear disarmament and they went on to say The dismantling of the nuclear test ground conducted with high-level transparency has clearly attested once again the proactive and peace-loving efforts of the DPRK government, Democratic uh, People's Republic of Korea, being made for assuring peace and stability on the Korean Peninsula and all over the world. But apparently, they weren't serious because they decided to attack our vice president. Now, you can, like a politician, You can dislike a politician. You can love Trump. You can hate Trump. You can love Pence. You can hate Pence. But an American respects the office. I despise Barack Obama, but I wouldn't stand for attacks on the office of the presidency. I thought Joe Biden was a buffoon, a moron. But I wouldn't stand for attacks on the office of the vice president by a foreign enemy. By a foreign enemy. I thought Obama was a doormat. I was offended that Obama allowed his presidency to be trampled on by bad guys. I, I didn't think Obama was a fan of American exceptionalism. I thought he made the world very unsafe and America very weak. But I don't want Kim Jong-un calling our vice president an idiot on the world stage, stupid, or, or be his spokeswoman. I don't want that. And us going to a summit. I think the president did exactly the right thing canceling this summit. I love that he canceled it after the statements. I love that he canceled it after we got the hostages back. And I love that he told North Korea, yeah, you want to saber rattle with nukes? We're going to have some problems. We're going to have a lot of problems. And I believe that Donald Trump will take action. Now, this has certainly made the likelihood of some kind of military action more likely. It certainly has, Uh, you know. If we we, we're deluding ourselves to believe it hasn't, do I think we're going to war with North Korea? No, I don't. Now, the stock market's being affected. Stocks are slipping a bit as Trump pulls out of the North Korea summit, uh, but that was to be expected, right? I mean, we didn't expect uh, the stock markets to rally on on claims of uh, on news that we're exiting the summit. We also found out that one of the ways Kim Jong-un and his top advisors, his inner circle, were preparing to meet with Donald Trump were by reading that uh, ridiculous book, Fire and Fury, that book that's been basically debunked. And that, to me, is is actually uh, pretty sad (laughs) that that's the extent of North Korea's intelligence, that they read gossip books, fake news gossip books. It's actually really kind of pathetic. And so – uh, but I don't expect any more from a nation like North Korea. Now, uh, from Fox Business, they're saying stocks fell off a bit. The S&P 500, as I read this, is down about 13%. The Dow Jones averages, uh, the S&P 500 at 13 points. Uh, a net change, I'm sorry, it's down 13. It's down 13, not 13%. Jesus, devastating. Uh, down about half a percent. Uh, Dow Jones averages are down about 0.7%, 0.69 as I read this. And uh, the NASDAQ composite down about 0.36. So not massive sweeping losses, but a typical market correction with news like, and that, that can certainly change by the time you watch this video later in the day, but I do not predict, do not predict that we are going to see anything change with regards to the summit. Do not predict that whatsoever. But I'm glad we have a strong president. The world is a dangerous place, and we were beaten up. We were brow beaten by Barack Obama for so long. We were treated uh, like the doormats of the world and there's more news i keep you know as I keep glancing at the screen, news items are popping up as I talk to you about this so uh <clears throat> is uh you know even Marco Rubio is saying that North Korea solution is in China's interest as well. I rarely agree with Marco Rubio on this one I do uh but he, um, Marco is right. Finding a solution with North Korea would benefit China as well. It's in China's best interest to pressure North Korea. And I don't know if you remember back, back about, um, well, it's got to be back about ten to twelve years now. Could be even a little longer. Uh, then President George W. Bush was caught on a hot mic at a summit. It was one of the G summits, G8 or G20 or something like that, talking to uh, British Prime Minister then Prime Minister Tony Blair. But we're going back well over a decade and. Plus he was caught on a hot mic saying that China has to tell North Korea to stop the S <laughs> stop the nonsense basically with an expletive. And that's the way you control North Korea. And China's always been the key to controlling North Korea, but so is a strong U S and we've never had a Donald Trump. This letter is, is absolutely outstanding. I like what, uh, what, what Trump is doing here. And, uh, this woman, Cho Hoy, who I talked about a little earlier, she's a top Korean official, she's a spokeswoman for Kim's administration, his dictatorship, really. she uh, Her insults to our vice president, well, it just couldn't go unanswered. And uh, John Bolton, you know, look, we've got a foreign policy A team. I say it every day, A++++ plus team. In Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, John Bolton, some other people on the National Security Council, <clears throat> General Mattis over at Defense, Uh, Now Gina Haspel at CIA. Look, I don't like her relationship with Brennan, but she knows how to handle bad guys in the world. And it appears Donald Trump has become much smarter about who he can trust and who he can't after this Mueller thing. I don't think he'd have appointed Gina Haspel unless he felt he could trust her, that she wasn't going to work against him. We don't know what private conversations they have. We don't know if she walked into the Oval Office and said, my God, I'm so glad to be rid of Brennan. What a disaster that guy was. But I kept my mouth shut because I had to work under the guy. We don't know that that didn't take place. Part of me suspects something like that probably did for Donald Trump to appoint her. I know that Mike Pompeo and Trump have always been, uh, they've always seen eye to eye. But I liked that we pulled out of this summit. Look, I was encouraged when it was going down, but I wanted the summit to happen only if the United States walked into that meeting in Singapore in a position of power. That's why I never wanted it on the DMZ. I never wanted it on the North Korean side of the DMZ, the militarized zone. I never wanted it anywhere near that area. I didn't like us going to Kim's home field. No, Singapore was always a good location. Neutral, both teams on an equal playing field. The United States, obviously, far more powerful militarily, economically. I mean, dramatically more. Like I said, 12.4 billion in GDP for North Korea, 17.8, almost 18 trillion for the United States, according to the most recent numbers. And uh, militarily, it's not even a contest. Not even a contest. And I think we now have to take an even harder line on North Korea. Let them know that if they open their mouths, they're going to face the full wrath of the United States. If they want to see, they want to read that book, Fire and Fury, to learn how to deal with Donald Trump, well, in a completely different context, Donald Trump should now show North Korea fire and fury unless they get in line, apologize, and beg to be brought back to the table. I love bringing you the show every day. You know that. I'm always enthused and excited. I love this content. But there are some stories I love bringing you more than others. I I enjoy bringing you all of them. But some of them, I can't wait. I cannot wait to sit in front of this camera and bring you. And this is one of those. Now, let me preface this by saying I'm going to leave you in a little suspense as to what I'm talking about right now. Let me preface this by saying that uh, during my career in law enforcement and even after, early on, I was very much against police body cameras. And then I started to evolve and I said, okay, I I can see the merit, but I was still very skeptical because I didn't want a situation where police officers wearing body cameras would be uh, reluctant to do their job. They might hesitate to draw their gun or a non-lethal device and, and they would get killed or seriously hurt. Well, now I am the world's biggest fan of police body cameras. Now I'll admit I was wrong. And about two years ago at dinner, a good friend of mine, a retired NYPD chief, then a police commissioner of another city, said, Cardillo, you're wrong. I was your boss in the NYPD. I'm older than you. I'm wiser than you. I have more experience than you. And he did. The guy's a legend in law enforcement. He said, kid, I was where you were when I was young. You're wrong on body cameras. You're going to come around. They help the cops. Said, All right, chief. We'll see. Well, he was right. <laughs> he was right. Because we have a story. I mean, everything about this story is, is great, the way it resolved, not the early stages. Where a body camera just saved a Texas state trooper from Trooper Hubbard from losing his job, destroying his reputation, his family, and possibly going to jail. Story is as such: a woman named uh, what was her name, Sharita Dixon Cole, via her attorney, put out a statement that she was sexually abused by Trooper Cole. Now this story. Before being investigated, before any contact was made with the Texas DPS, the Department of Public Safety, that's Texas's uh, state troopers, uh, state police, Texas DPS. Even better is that liberal social justice warrior activist, Sean King, a guy who was white and claims he's black. Sean King took to Twitter. I hope he is sued for every penny he has. And he smeared this trooper. Now. A couple of days back, about four days ago, Sean King, he's now deleted the tweets, but they were captured. Sean King went on Twitter on the morning of May 20th, and he wrote, quote, This woman was kidnapped and raped by a Texas state trooper, Officer Hubbard. She is now being held hostage in the Ellis County jail. So he accused a state trooper of felony kidnapping, felony rape, and then the county, which is run by the sheriff's office, of kidnapping. He accused them of three felonies and named the trooper. Charita Dixon Cole just happens to be a close personal friend of civil rights attorney and my friend at Merit Law, this attorney. I'm going to get to the attorney in a second who did a big mea culpa. These are the facts he got from her family and John King goes on to say, I just spoke to a witness who says he strangely saw Charita Dixon Cole put in the front seat of this officer's car, as she said in her statement to her family. Just confirm that Sherita Dixon Cole passed her breathalyzer test and was arrested without cause. He then goes, very important story, not only on the sexual assault of Sherita Dixon Cole, he's doubling down now, calling the police officer, a rapist, uh, the trooper, a rapist and a, and a sexual abuser, but on the mistreatment of black women across the country by American police and why these stories are just not told widely enough. Problem, however, problem, however, is that Mr. Merritt, the attorney, watched the footage released, two hours of footage released by the Texas Department of Public Safety of Trooper Hubbard's body camera that completely debunks the claims. Let me read you the letter written uh, yesterday from S. Lee Merritt, Sr. Esquire, attorney at law barred in the states of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. It was a press release by attorney Merritt. For immediate release, sexual assault allegations, excuse me, against Texas DPS officer. Waxahachie, Texas. The body camera footage released directly conflicts with the accounts reported to my office, there is no readily apparent evidence of tampering with the footage. Officer Daniel, Hub- Daniel Hubbard seems to comport himself professionally during the duration of the traffic stop and arrest with and without more, should be cleared of any wrongdoing. It is deeply troubling when innocent people are falsely accused, and I am truly sorry for any trouble. These claims may have caused Officer Hubbard and his family. I take full responsibility for amplifying these claims to the point of national concern. This office regularly receives hundreds of complaints of abuse from across the nation, and we are obligated to filter these messages thoroughly before relaying them to our powerful allies. Our office necessarily takes claims of abuse, particularly by law enforcement officers, very seriously. It is is our responsibility to call for swift, transparent, and thorough investigation in any such accusation. Our calls for professionalism and adherence to protocols, however, should not be misconstrued as a rush to judgment. To the contrary, our goal in presenting claims of misconduct is to arrive as quickly and as accurately as possible to the truth. We are thankful to members of the community for the willingness to echo our demands for transparency and justice. However, in this matter, it seems your righteous vigilance was abused. And you know what I say? Through this guy. Because he starts his letter saying, I was wrong. I smeared the trooper for no reason. But I never heard the guy say, I'm sorry. He didn't apologize. He didn't once apologize. And he admits that if the police are accused before he has any evidence, before he has any evidence, he will blast it out and amplify it. He should be disbarred. This guy should be disbarred. This is disgusting. And this is a lawyer who, uh, this Merritt, he's an activist, black activist and, and uh, uh, lawyer, who goes after there and he smears cops daily. Well, he's embarrassed. Now, Dixon Cole, despite, despite what Sean King lied about, admitted that she failed a field sobriety test. She might have passed the breathalyzer, but she failed her field sobriety test. He claimed, quote, the officer suggested she could go home in exchange for sexual favors. And that was according to Merritt's original press release. Now, I read you his letter, his mea culpa. In his original letter, he slammed this officer. He even goes to say, Miss Dixon Cole's report of sexual assault by Officer Hubbard has been mishandled from the outset. After she was processed into the detention center, she immediately reported the incident. Certain protocols exist that must be, that, that must be followed when a victim reports an assault. These protocols include, but are not limited to, direct medical attention and a thorough investigation into the allegations. Hubbard's uniform, patrol vehicle, and other equipment should have been immediately confiscated and held over as evidence. But, but, the Texas DPS watched the video. They knew the trooper did nothing wrong, but there was no reason to seize his car, to seize his uniform, to conduct any further investigation. Video doesn't lie. In this case, the perp did, Anita Dixon Cole. This case, this case, proves the efficacy and the necessity of body cameras. Now, right after Merritt, this moron did his presser and he released this statement and slamming the cop before he apologized. I love that he had to do the mea culpa. The Texas Department of Public Safety immediately denied all of his allegations. They said, quote, upon learning of the allegations, the department immediately took action to review the dash cam video. The video shows absolutely no evidence to support the serious accusations against the trooper during the DWI arrest of the suspect. The department went on to say it was, quote, appalled that anyone would make such a despicable, slanderous and false accusation against a peace officer who willingly risks his life every day to protect and serve the public. Good for the Texas DPS. This is a textbook way on how a law enforcement agency should handle false claims of wrongdoing against their law enforcement officers. Now. The Texas DPS did the right thing here. What I don't like is that this woman, Karita Dixon Cole, is not being criminally charged yet. This woman needs to be criminally charged. Now, you know that Sean um, King, if you don't know who Sean King is, Sean King is this black liberal activist who is very big in the Black Lives Matter movement. And he's well-known, or having to retract correct walk back stories, uh, delete tweets because he a Facebook post because he jumps to conclusions and he accuses people by name. he accuses people by name without any evidence. I actually back when I was uh, doing more investigative type uh, exposes, I dug into Sean king he 's been accused of of damning um, his own charities. This is not something that I dug up that 's hard for you to find. You can just google his name Google. Sean King and charity issues, you'll see post upon post upon post from people who say they donated money to Sean King. They were never contacted. Again, their money wasn't used for the intended purposes. Now, uh, Sean King tried to uh, um, address the false accusation that he helped spread. He wrote an article in Medium yesterday, and he wrote, quote, I can't even begin to make sense of why someone would concoct such an awful story, particularly in light of the reality that both police brutality and sexual assaults are a very real crisis in this nation. It does a tremendous disservice to actual victims when something horrible like this is fabricated. It provides an unfair spotlight to a good cop and undeserved cover for the bad ones who will try to use an incident like this as false proof of their innocence. See, he always has to jab the good guys. But they won't try to use an incident like this to, to prove innocence if they're guilty because the body cams, which more and more police officers are wearing, are proving the liars to be liars. And if a cop does wrong, the camera shows that as well. This case is everything that is wrong with social justice warriors. Everything. These people are literally scourges on society. It's disgraceful. The only thing left in this case The only thing left to have happened in this case is for this woman, Sean King, and her attorney to be criminally charged and or civilly sued. It needs to happen. We need to start cracking down on these false allegations. President Donald Trump held a roundtable yesterday on Long Island, New York to discuss immigration, but it was really a roundtable on MS-13 with the Mickens and Cuevas families in attendance. Both lost their young daughters, 15 years old, almost 16 years old, to a brutal, brutal attack by MS-13 because the girls had the audacity to get into an argument at school, as kids do, with MS-13 gang members. And the the families' stories were, were absolutely heartbreaking. But what really uh, struck me, now my entire family lives uh, in Long Island. I grew up in Queens, which is technically part of the island, but it's one of the five boroughs of New York City, of course. But uh, my entire family, about 20 years ago, moved out to Long Island. And uh, I was shocked to learn. Now, I I bring you the subject matter every day. I study groups like MS-13. I know quite a bit about them. And I've always known the numbers that about 10,000 to 20,000 MS-13 gang members exist in the U.S., But I didn't realize that there are now 20% of those in Long Island. I knew the population of MS-13 in Long Island was growing. I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize that it accounted for nearly 20% of the group's membership and as a byproduct activity in the United States. Now, one of the things I was very encouraged by is that ICE director, Tom Homan, and he's retiring. And I just, Tom has been in law enforcement 30 some odd years. He is so good at what he does. He's a rough around the edges street cop. He's not the most polished sounding guy, but the president loves him because he's effective. And I think we need more guys like that in federal law enforcement and fewer DOJ lawyers who polish up and present well. Those street cops make a dent. And one of the things Director Homan spoke about was how we've been working in concert with our law enforcement partners down in El Salvador, where MS-13 is from, Marisalva Trucha, 13, and working with a vetted program. In other words, we will only work on these task force with law enforcement, military, and prosecutors in El Salvador that our people, our federal agents, our agencies have vetted. We don't take their word for it. So these are vetted people, and as a result, they are putting thousands of MS-13 gang members, leaders in jail in, El Sal- in jail in El Salvador. They're, they're cleaning up El Salvador so that MS-13 leadership has taken off the streets down there, the country's safer, thus people want to leave, and it's having a ripple effect with a leaderless entity here in the US. Now, it's not making them any less brutal. MS-13, you've been watching the president's press conferences. MS-13 is a horribly, horribly brutal group terrible, terrible people. And they're going to continue to be. And we need to crack down on them. And the president is right when he calls them animals. And you've heard people like White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders say they're worse than animals. The president was being kind when he said animals. And you heard a couple of people around the table yesterday. If you watched the press conference say the same. The police commissioners of Nassau and Suffolk counties, the two counties that comprise Long Island were there, talking about the problems they have with murder and drug trafficking and human trafficking and MS-13, how witnesses are afraid to come forward. There were representatives of the U.S. Attorney's Office. There were Congress people there. Uh, Representative Lee Zeldin, Representative Pete King uh, sitting next to the president. I've often disagreed with Representative Pete King on uh, gun control. <clears throat> Full disclosure, my family knows Pete King socially. My uh, We, we uh, have mutual friends. Uh, And I've often disagreed with the congressman on gun control, but there is, for a few people, better than Congressman Pete King when it comes to homeland and national security. And because he's from Long Island, and his district actually covers some of the areas that are are, are the most predominant hotbeds of MS-13 activity, Representative King has really been on top of this issue, as has Donald Trump. Trump is probably doing more damage to MS-13 than any other president since they've been on the radar, really Obama, the tail end of Bush, uh, and, and he's treating ms 13 like he did ISIS, and we're systematically destroying the group. But the the stories from the families are really the most impactful. Law enforcement is doing their job, they're making a dent, but people need to hear the victims. They need to hear the victims. Apparently, though, outlets like the Washington Post don't. Now, you saw Nancy Pelosi double down and talk about dignity, and how we should treat MS-13 with dignity, and... All of these liberals saying we shouldn't be calling them animals. They're still human beings. They, they prefer machetes, knives, and baseball bats. They rape. Their mantra is rape, control, and kill. Rape, kill, control. Um, anyway, you dice it up. And that's what they do. That's what they do. But Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats want Mr. Tina to be treated fairly. Now, remember... The uh, director of ICE, Tom Holman, said, as As did some representatives of the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office of the Eastern District of New York, there are two districts in New York, uh, down in the city, Southern District of New York, which covers uh, Manhattan, uh, the Bronx, Staten Island, uh, Manhattan and the Bronx, and uh, areas of uh, Westchester County and, and parts in those areas. And then you have uh, the Eastern District of New York, which is Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, N- Nassau and Suffolk counties. These are representatives of the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Eastern District of New York. And they said again, alongside ICE Director, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Director, Tom Holman, that there are about 10,000, 10, MS-13 gang members in the United States, 2,000 of which live in Long Island, New York. And that's a conservative estimate. Uh, loose affiliates, people associated with the group who aren't full members yet, a double, about 20,000 full-blown members or associates of MS-13 in the United States. The Washington Post, last night after the Trump roundtable, runs a political analysis and it's entitled, you ready for this? Trump again smears a large immigrant community with the violent actions of a few people. A few. For the second time in his presidency, President Trump traveled to Long Island to talk about immigrants and crime. No, he went to talk about illegal criminal aliens, those who commit crimes. Nothing was said about the people who come here legally. Why would it be? They're coming legally. They're non-news, waiting online. They're paying the fees. They're coming legally. They're working. They're contributing to America. They're, They're making America great. The legal immigrants, we're a nation of legal immigrants. Wasn't talking about immigrants. Talking about criminal illegal aliens. While the event in Bethpage, New York, was described as a round table on immigration, the chosen location, Trump's opening comments and assembled guests made clear that the focus was more specifically on the criminal gang, MS-13, and tying their actions to immigrants more broadly. Again, no, another lie by the fake news, Washington Post. In that sense, evening, the event was perfectly fitting. The conversation was supposed to be about immigration. But Trump instead focused almost entirely on a subset of the subset of the immigrant population, some of whom are members of a gang and have committed violent crime. But by returning to Long Island, he also highlighted how hollow that rhetoric actually is. The president said, quote, we're here today to discuss the menace of MS-13. It's a menace. A ruthless gang that, vi- that has violated our borders and transformed once peaceful neighborhoods into blood-stained killing fields. Horrible people, by the way. He's right. He introduced the families, the Mickens and the Cuevas family, said, their beautiful daughters were murdered by MS-13 gang members, many of whom exploited glaring loopholes. And we have the biggest loopholes... Of any country anywhere in the world, we have the most worst immigration laws of any country anywhere in the world, but they exploited the loopholes in our laws to enter the country as unaccompanied alien minors. They look so innocent. They're not innocent, the President said. He went on to say crippling loopholes in our laws have enabled MS 13 gang members and other criminals to infiltrate our communities, and Democrats in Congress refuse to close these loopholes. According to the disgraceful practice known as catch and release, Democrats have to abandon their resistance to border security so we can support law enforcement and save innocent lives. And he went on to say, they're animals. He calls the way they kill. The killing feels. He's right. Because law enforcement was in that room and they agreed with the president and they thanked him. But the far leftists, this moron, Philip Bump, at the Washington Post, wants to make believe that Trump hates Legal immigrants, his wife is one. His wife is one. That he hates illegal immigrants and that (coughs) MS-13 are a few fringe players, three or four people in MS-13. Oh, forget what the ICE director is telling you with 10,000, 2,000 in New York alone. There's a few, a minor few. Democrats, of course, are on the rampage again because they need illegals. They need illegals for votes. A lot of money, a lot of money in having illegals vote. A lot of money in that. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce loves it. They get that cheap labor. The uh, the immigrant groups that are funded by far leftists like George Soros and Tom Steyer, Peter Lewis, they love this. They love this. They will throw millions upon millions at candidates that push to legalize illegals, to make the United States more socialist, to bring the United States to its knees. Terrible. These are horrible, horrible people. And President Trump is right. And everybody around that table. These are a diverse group of people. Peter King was not a Trump guy. He was all in for Jeb Bush, then all in for John Kasich. Peter King was not a Trump guy in 2015, 2016. But people understand Trump's making a dent. You've got U.S. attorneys, assistant U.S. attorneys, police commissioners, thanking the president of the United States for his leadership. They're not doing that in a vacuum. They're not doing that because they want to pander to the president. They're doing it because the threat is real. The threat is real. And that one dad, I believe his name is Mickens, I, uh, unfortunately, for, uh, I don't have his first, I want to see if it's in this article, but I doubt the Washington Post would give much uh, attention to the families of these, of these uh, victims. The White House, uh, in contrast, tweeted out a photo of the family, the White House Twitter account of all of them. I believe the man's name was Mr. Mickens, and he said his daughter was killed. It was heartbreaking. He said, you know, some days he thinks about going up to her room to tease her like a dad does to a daughter to just you know joke around with her, and she's not there. And it gives you chills, and it breaks your heart. And he said, I try to explain to people that are critical, I'm going to paraphrase Mr. Mickens, but he was basically saying that, and he is a, either an African-American or a dark-skinned Hispanic man. I mean, I would venture that many people he knows that he, that he works with, they don't, probably don't support Donald Trump, but Trump has been wonderful to his family, and you could tell that he genuinely appreciates the president. They, they've created a relationship. And he said, uh, you know, I tried to explain to people, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was what this president is doing. And, and what he was trying to say, and it was hard for him to get his words out because he was overwhelmed and he's grief stricken and he lost his daughter. And I can't imagine that you don't bury your children. He said that you shouldn't bury your children. And it was very overwhelming and emotional for him. But I, I actually thought he did a great, great job. I, I was making a note to myself as I was watching it as somebody on, who's on air every day. I, you know, here's a guy who's not, who doesn't do what I do. And despite all of that and the emotion and, and uh, I thought he did a very, very good job addressing the media, addressing the nation. And he basically said, I try to explain to people that this president really is trying to solve this problem with this gang. He was trying to say, Mr. Mickens was, this is not a political issue. This isn't Democrat versus Republican. This isn't about legal immigrants. This is about a criminal gang. The other uh, gentleman there, Mr. Cuevas, I believe his name was, broke down in tears. Uh, these families, they don't care about conservative liberal, Republican, Democrat, Trump, never Trump, liberal, this, that, Mago, whatever. They don't care. They lost their two little girls in a brutal, torturous murder. And the president of the United States reached out to help them, to help them by trying to ensure that it doesn't happen to any other kids. He's given these families a mission. He's given these families something to live for after they lost their kids. He's working alongside these families. That's apolitical. The left, though, they can't handle that. The left can't handle that. How dare Donald Trump insult them as 13 gang members? Oh, my God, how dare he? They have dignity. Don't you know they have dignity? They have dignity. There are only a few people. Few, little few. That ICE director doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, that guy, what does he know? The head of Immigration and Customs Enforcement has been in the field for 30, 35 years, has the utmost unilateral respect, unanimous respect from all his men and women uh, whom he leads. But What does he know? What does that guy know? Regarded as a world authority on illegal immigration, Tom Holman. What does he know? He doesn't know anything. Philip Bump at the Washington Post knows much more than Director Holman. This is disgraceful. And, and you can only conclude when you read things like this that the left truly really hates America. They, they, they have no interest in protecting this nation. They are absolutely hysterical, they are so beside themselves. The president of the United States insulted a gang whose mantra is rape, kill, and control. It is despicable, it is disgraceful, and quite frankly, it's unbelievable. Couple of interesting items happened over the last couple of days in the state of media. A federal judge in the Southern District of New York ruled this, according well, not according to this, according to the judge. But I'm reading you this story from NBC News: Donald Trump cannot block users from his Twitter feed. Federal judge rules: President Donald Trump cannot block Twitter users for the political views they've expressed. A federal judge in Manhattan ruled on Wednesday. Now, president's uh, account, the president's account blocked people who trolled his account. Insult him. The judge said that the uh, blocking is unconstitutional and a violation of the First Amendment. Her name is Naomi Rice Buchwald. In her ruling, she wrote quote, While we must recognize and are sensitive to the president's personal First Amendment rights, he cannot exercise those rights in a way that infringes the corresponding First Amendment rights of those who have criticized him. Now, the government argued that blocked individuals could still access the president's tweets. They could set up another account. They can look at a friend's account. The judge agreed, but said that even considering the president's First Amendment rights, preventing users from interacting directly with him on Twitter represented a violation of a real, albeit narrow, ice of speech. It argued that Donald Trump's Twitter account is a quote-unquote public forum under the First Amendment. Very, very interesting. The Institute represented seven individuals who had been blocked by the president's Twitter account. They said they were pleased with the decision. The White House has no uh, comment. Now, here's the problem. There have been conservative media figures who have been banned from Twitter. Does the same apply to them? Are their comments, First Amendment protected, because as members of the media, of the press their Twitter accounts would be deemed a public forum. Ergo, do they have the right to say what they want to say? And do viewers, uh, do, do uh, Twitter users have a right to view their tweets? This is going to be very, very interesting. And I would encourage those people to sue. The other big question is, does this ruling apply to Facebook? Now, at face value, I've spoken at some, a, constitu- a few, uh, two to three last, uh, three actually, constitutional lawyers, one more of a specialist in uh, interactive law, two constitutional with uh, regards to First Amendment issues, things of that nature. One, more an interactive lawyer, all seem to agree that this ruling sets up a challenge to those who are banned from Twitter if they're media figures. Now, if you're an unknown person with a profile using a fake name and photo and you have 70 followers, probably not so much. But if you were, say, an alt-left, an alt-right, a very controversial person with a large following who had previously been verified, a Milo Yiannopoulos, for example, who is considered media, is considered a public figure. There's a very strong, according to these experts, I'm not a constitutional lawyer or a, or an internet lawyer, but they feel that a guy like Miley Annapolis would have a very strong claim against Twitter and most likely Facebook as well. Now, this is a pretty broad case, right? It'll go to the courts of Appeals. It'll go up to the Supreme Court. But very, very interesting. Now, while all this is happening, billionaire Elon Musk, probably uh, one of the most brilliant guys, in history, says he's going to create a website. This is from the Washington Examiner and Musk's Twitter was on fire. He was going to create a website where users can track and rate the credibility of journalists, editors, and publication. Elon Musk uh, wrote, quote, going to create a website where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication, thinking of calling it Pravda. A joke about the old Russian media outlet. Somebody said, well, except that much of the public doesn't appear to care about or truth. Musk said, enough of the public does care about the truth. I have faith in people. He's right. They do. They do. Musk also tweeted, the holier than thou hypocrisy of big media companies who lay claim to the truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lie is why the public no longer respects them. And he went on then to say he was going to create that site. He also put out a uh, poll on Twitter. It said, create a media credibility rating site that also flags propaganda botnets. The choices were yes, this would be good. No, media are awesome. Let's see how the votes uh, shook out. And let me see, it's not letting me, oh, let's see. The votes, 88% of the, as I clicked, yes, (laughs) 88% of the, 631,952 votes would like him to create that site. 12% of that 631,952 right now say they would not. Elon Musk put on a tweet, come on, media, you can do it. Get more people to vote for you. You are literally the media. <laughs> Amazingly, the quote, media is awesome, end quote, uh, vote is declining despite hundreds of articles attacking this very poll. And he's right. The media was beside themselves trying to now attack elon musk for wanting them to be credible and truthful you know i often tell you the editorial standards here at the rebel are clearly much higher than they are at cnn there are a lot of stories i want to do that get shot down uh, because we don't have them sourced properly or uh, we don't have enough on the record sources or, or the off the record sources just don't well they don't rise to the bar that we're comfortable with and it's really really important because we need to do that so that when you watch the show you know that you're getting accurate information. I also let you know that I have a conservative bent. I'm not a, an objective down the middle news reader. I don't want to be never claimed to be. I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinion commentator. I was an investigator. I've never claimed to be a guy that would ever have wanted to sit on the uh, CBS nightly news and be supposedly objective. But man, I love that a billionaire like Elon Musk is doing this. This is gonna be really, really interesting. These are two incredibly interesting media stories, one that uh, Elon Musk wants to call the media to task on their lack of truth and two, that Donald Trump's Twitter is a public forum. Does it apply to uh, other public figures, politicians or not? Now, I will give a, a special mention and credit where due to somebody, somebody I've never given credit to, but I'm a fair guy. Chris Cuomo from CNN held a round table on school violence with Nancy Pelosi and didn't let her get away with anything. Cuomo really pressed Pelosi on the federal government funding, something that I'm very passionate about, a hardening of schools as targets, a centralized access point. I thought Cuomo's questioning was very intelligent. I thought it was spot on. He said things as nuanced as look, of course we'll have multiple doors of egress, meaning you know, 12, 15 doors for students to get out if God forbid there's a fire or an active shooter, but we need to centralize the ways in. We need to have those exit doors locked with those standard bar locks. We see them all the time, no handle on the outside. One of those bar locks that somebody can easily just nudge and get the door open in a split second. I have to give Chris Cuomo a lot of credit. He engaged in good journalism in that interview with Nancy Pelosi. And hopefully, if Elon Musk gets that site off the ground, we'll see more of that. And maybe, just maybe, this lawsuit against Donald Trump will have unintended consequences. And all of those public figures from the right that have been banned on Twitter and Facebook, Facebook is trying to do that to the Rebel Facebook page. They're trying to get the rebel to shut down their Facebook page because of things that the far leftists at Facebook deem inappropriate. They won't tell us here at the rebel what that is. They won't tell us what that is. We, of course, all feel that it's just more censorship of conservative speech. Maybe, just maybe, this lawsuit forcing President Trump not to block people on Twitter is going to have unintended consequences and blow back on the left, reinstating conservatives and opening up Opening up that freedom of speech for those of us on the right.